0: I love it. I love it. Oh, that is so classic. I was just walking down the street. You know, sometimes that's the way we feel uh, when we are meeting our spouses. Uh, I, I just happened to be there. I just was walking down the street. Well, good morning, everybody. I hope you had a very good evening. I know you guys were up late, some of you were, and some of you were celebrating in your rooms. I don't know what all was happening, but I know we are all in different places, different times at whatever. So, good morning. Good morning. How are you feeling? Eh. You're just eh?
1: Yeah, eh. So, so I have this thing that happened all of a sudden Saturday night, and they called it sciatica, and they put me on steroids. <laughs> Yeah. So I can say anything I want to say and blame it on the steroids. (laughs) I'm
0: a little nervous about that. I bet you should be. (laughs) Well, this morning we get the privilege of continuing on talking about marriage and uh, the fact that our marriages are telling stories. Now everybody loves a good story. And uh, my wife loves a good story. I don't know how good they are, but they're on the Hallmark channel. And it's the same story told over and over again,
1: but different, with different actors, though. So.
0: I know they're different actors, but it's the same thing. You know, Ryan meets Jennifer. I, I don't know. And anyway, I won't yeah. retell that story. But you know, when I think about marriage is it's really interesting. We live in a day and age where we really try to have the perfect marriage. And we do a lot to ensure that we would have just the perfect marriage. Uh, Have you looked at the online dating, how specific they can be? Like if you want to marry the perfect person, you go to perfectmatch.com. If you want to marry someone that's closer to our age, they have one called ourtime.com. Then they've got, if you want to marry a Christian, you go to christianmingle.com. I mean, if you want to marry a black person, you go to blackpeoplemeet.com. If you don't want to marry a black person, you go to (laughs) farmersonly.com. It's there. Some of you don't know whether to laugh or not, but it's true. (laughs) It's amazing. Just all the online dating. I, I told this at another conference and someone said, those are actual sites. I said, yes, they really are. But you know what? Here's what we're here to tell you this morning. You're not going to have a perfect marriage, and that's not the goal. Hmm. The perfection of your marriage is not where we're headed. It's the direction. Amen. It's where your marriage is pointing. Your marriage is telling a story. Marriage is more significant than you may have thought. Um, marriage was designed by God, and it was defined by God. And so this morning, we want to walk you through how your marriage is telling a story. So I'm going to start us out by going back to the very beginning, Genesis chapter 1. Now, if you have a device with you, I know you don't have internet, but if you can get to your phone or if you have a Bible with you, this is my Bible, by the way. It has a lot of white duct tape on it, and it used to hold it together, and now it doesn't. (laughs) And I everyone keeps telling me get a new one, but I'm just, this is my companion. And, and I know where everything is in it. And I know which side of the page it says it on. So anyway, uh, you, you will need your Bibles this morning because not that we're telling you something new. We're, we are reminding you of what is important. And so as we think about This out of Genesis chapter one, then God said, let us make man in our image. This is verse 26 of Genesis one after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man and his what? That's right in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. So as we look at that passage, the first thing I wanna tell you, your marriage is telling a story because it's a picture. Your marriage is a picture. As a husband and wife, you're telling the story of God. And just like kings of days gone by, would conquer a province or conquer a land, they would take over this area and then they would erect a statue of themselves and that statue would be an image of the king. And that image would be a representation to let you know that the king is in charge here. You as a woman, you as a man have been left here as an image bearer of God and even in a, just as a significant spot as well, as a married couple, you are a picture. Because in Ephesians 5, 31 and 32, therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And the writer Paul says this, this mystery is profound. He says, I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. So your marriage, let me remind you, that your marriage is telling a story of Christ and the church. It's interesting that in Matthew chapter 22 or 23, somewhere in there, the scribes had come to Jesus and they told this incredible story because they didn't believe in the resurrection. And so they were trying to trick Jesus and they said, hey, listen, this lady gets married to a man. He dies before they have children and then she marries his brother. They married, don't have any children, and he dies. And then she marries the third brother down to seven brothers. So in the resurrection, whose wife will she be? And Jesus said this, how dumb can you be? That's a modern translation. He says, don't you know, you're teachers of the law, that there is no marriage or giving of marriage in heaven? Why? Why? Why is there no marriage in heaven after all this work down here and there's no marriage in heaven? Let me illustrate it this way. I went to Kenya and also Nigeria and I was there teaching uh, there for a few weeks. I was away from home and this is before cell phones in the way that we use them today. And of course there was no cell phone usage there anyway, and so I had a picture of my wife with me. And I remember when I got to the second and third week without her being there, I remember missing my wife profoundly and looking at her picture. And that picture reminded me of what I had at home, and our love relationship with each other, and I would stare at her picture often. And I remember our last day, and we flew from Africa to Germany, and Germany to Dallas, and Dallas to Nashville, and I still had her picture. And when I showed up at the front door of our house in Franklin, Tennessee, it would have been really weird if I kept staring at her picture. What did I do with that picture? I put it away because I had the real thing when I got home. You see, when we get to heaven, there's no need for the picture. When we get there, we will be home. The bride and groom will be united. There's no reason for that story to be told. So, fellow married couples, why marriage? Because you are telling the story of Christ and his church. You are the picture for everyone to see, to say there's something greater coming. So the first thing we want to talk about, your marriage is telling a story. It's a picture. You see, we reflect his identity. We are made in his image. Uh, Robin's going to talk about something in a moment called unity. But let me tell you this. There's no real unity without a shared identity. If you don't know who you are, you're not going to have unity. Okay, this is kind of an aside. I'm going to go off the track a little bit. We live in a world that is very divided. Have you noticed that? I don't know, if you live in the real world, you know everybody is divided up into little pockets. And we're fighting over this and fighting over that. And then we have some uh, political voice, I don't know where it is, but it's some voice that says, we all need to be together. We need to be united. Can I give you a little secret? We'll never be united because we don't share an identity. See, I identify as this, and I identify as that, and I identify as this. And I can tell you, as long as there's all these identities, there's no shared unity. The Bible teaches that. But as Christians, as believers, we of all people have an identity, a shared identity, and it's expressed through unity. So as a married couple, you have an identity in Christ, but we reflect it through unity.
1: Okay, well, that's where I was supposed to start, but the pastor here decided to take... (laughs) I stopped. Okay, you barely stopped, but you did stop. (laughs) (laughs) Just the prednisone. (laughs) Anyway, we reflect God in our unity. And guys, that's just being united. If you're a believer, every single one of us in here should reflect things that look like God. And in your marriage, if both of you guys are believers, you should reflect that in your unity. And how do you do that? We have to understand that unity does not mean the same. Unity does not mean sameness. Ray always says if there's two things exactly the same, one of them is unnecessary. So what we continue to do a lot of times, what the enemy has us do is fight with each other because we don't think the same, we don't do things the same. But that's the creativity of God. Unity is not sameness. Unity is not uniformity. That's not unity. It doesn't mean unity. And let me go on to the next one because unity is joining together for a common purpose. That's what unity is, joining together for a common purpose. And so I think we have to ask a question. What is your marital purpose? Why are you married? What are you reflecting in your marriage? What does your unity say about your marriage? And then finally, unity in marriage is joining together as one flesh, and we call that oneness. And oneness is, in essence, moving through life as a team. Now, a lot of times in marriage, we have people that have issues, and we don't move together as a team. We have one person that's slandering the other person, we have one person that's not building up the other person. That's not unity. Mm-hmm. If you love Jesus, if your spouse loves Jesus, unity says we're gonna live this way so God is the one that's, that is represented in how we display this thing. Unity also is being on the same team. Now, guys, when I was in high school, I was on this, I was a cheerleader, and I was on this stinky team. I mean, they couldn't win a game if somebody paid them the money to win it. But I cheered for them. I never slandered them. I never talked about them. I would even want to punch somebody else that was talking about my sorry team, okay? Because my team may be sorry, but that's my team. And that's the same thing that we need in unity. Unity is making sure that we are united, being united. So unity means you don't fight with your teammate. As husbands and wives, you're on the same team. You're unified so you don't fight with your teammate. It means you don't slander, talk about behind their back your teammate, your teammate. It means um, that you encourage your teammate. How do you do that? 2 Thessalonians 5.17 says, I mean 5.11 says, you continue to build each other up as you're going. As you're doing this, you build each other up, you encourage each other and build another one up and then you want your teammate to succeed and not fail. Now I know a lot of times when we have issues, maybe not you, but maybe this is my heart, but when I have an issue with Ray, sometimes- Which is very seldom. Which is, Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but when I have an issue with Ray, <laughs> sometimes I get maybe a little happy on the inside when he doesn't do something or something doesn't work out for him, hmm. well, I know. I didn't know that. Well, the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked above all else. Who can know it? Only the Lord does. But sometimes I have issues and I'm like, mm, you know what? No better for him. But that, <laughs> that is not unity. That is not what the Lord con- wants us to continue to do. That is what the enemy brings to your heart so that you want your, your teammate to fail. And what that means is that we're competing against each other. That's not what marriage is. Marriage is not a competition. Marriage is complimentary. I wanna make sure I can compliment him. So I allow the Lord to continue to work on my heart. So when those things come in place, I'm like, that's not truth. Mm -hmm. We have to build our unity on the truth of God's word.
0: Well, one of the things that I I did want us to share, uh, we have a poem called Oneness, mm -hmm. uh, The Path to Oneness. And so we want to share this with you because I think it says it just as well as we uh, share this together. Okay. You ready? When we started down the path, this way called marriage, the walk was smooth and clear. As I walked hand in hand with my best friend and lover, I had no cares or fear.
1: It It seemed seemed like like the sun sun
0: was was always shining, shining, brightening each step step we took. took. Could Could life life be better, better, we said to to each each other, giving that honey, I love love you look.
1: But as time went on, the path began to twist. I had to make some adjustments, and that was not on my list.
0: I began to realize that this perfect mate of mine had some flaws that I couldn't fix, even though I tried and tried.
1: If you give, then I'll give too. 50-50 was our plan, but as selfishness arrived, Our path declined again.
0: As we continued down the road, no longer hand in hand, the way got even rougher. I I couldn't understand.
1: We started out so well. How did we grow so far apart? My job, my kids, and others began to occupy my heart.
0: I finally cried, Lord, help us out, I pray. We are isolated from each other, I'm sad to say.
1: You're going down the wrong path. I heard a still, small voice. The way that I've given leads to oneness. It's your choice.
0: Leave your plans and schemes behind. I'll give you what you need. To have the greatest marriage, let go and let me lead.
1: The path that leads to oneness has my purpose in mind. I'll show you why you must leave selfishness behind.
0: I'll even give you power to do what you must do to experience love and intimacy like you've always wanted to.
1: The path that leads to oneness shows you how to walk through pain, Mm. resolving all your conflict, not just shifting around the blame.
0: There are so many forces out there to destroy your unity, but together, let's say that, but But together together you must fight to beat the enemy. enemy.
1: So So
0: at last, when we heard, we took each each other's other's hand, we determined, determined we would try this unknown path. Even though, though it seemed so different from, from the one we'd always we walked, we be- knew that
1: this it was th- w- the right way because as we, we began,
0: began to talk, to
1: talk. Hand, hand in hand, hand,
0: side by side, arm in arm, 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 arm step by step, the down the path towards oneness, oneness. Isolation, isolation we had left. left. And that's our desire this morning when we talk about experiencing uh, this oneness and experiencing God's desire for us. But as Robin was saying, we reflect God in our unity, but we also want to share, we reflect God in our diversity as well. You know that you're different, but you still reflect God in this way. Uh, We're different in our gender. I know that's a hot button today, and I really don't want to get into it because we'll get sidetracked talking about that. But do you know you are... There's two different genders in this room. Are you guys good with that? Okay.
1: And do you know that God created distinctly two unique genders and that marriage should be made up of one husband and one wife for one lifetime?
0: And so I said we weren't going to go down that path. I'm sorry, I had to give that in. So I will say this, but... From the word go, Robin and I experience life different, and sometimes as couples, we fight against each other because we're even different in our gender. Uh, For instance, like in a room like this, Robin would be sitting down, she'd get to know all the ladies, and she's very outgoing, and and, uh, at conferences, I've literally seen her do this. She'll get to know the ladies in the room, and then all of a sudden, she'll say, hey, I'm getting ready to go to the bathroom. Any of you ladies want to go? And the ladies all get up, grab their purse, and go to the bathroom.
1: And they're right, ladies. Yeah.
0: I have never once, as a man, stood up, looked around, and said, Hey, I'm going to go to the bathroom, guys. Any of you guys want to go with me? It has a different connotation. Um, I, and it's also different, it's funny, like we'll come back from, or Robin will come back from the bathroom and she like, say, oh my goodness, I met this lady in the bathroom and she's just having this trouble with her husband and her son is rebelling and she goes, and like, when did you talk? <laughs> and she said, across the stalls and, and I'm like, uh, guys, we don't do that. We're at the urinal and we stare straight ahead. <laughs> we don't look to the left or the right. We shouldn't, but anyway, it, we don't do that. And it's just there's just a difference in that way, you know. Not only that, there's different uh, perspectives.
1: There are different perspectives in life. Huh? I
0: didn't write any notes
1: That's okay. I didn't take up
0: time. Okay. She she did this is very fluid up here, by yeah. the way. We we'll say well, let's skip that, but no, we're going to keep going. Um, you know, we have different perspectives. Robin's very positive. Uh, it, it, the glass is always half full. It's kind of irritating because I'm like, no, life doesn't work like that. Life is bad. Uh, people are bad. Your glass is half empty and you better drink it before somebody else does. You know, that's, that's the way I view it. And, and, uh, and
1: I, really, I really truly believe that God can do anything. He can. I believe he can do it. I believe that we should say that he can do it. And I believe that we should process and walk out life like he can do it.
0: I agree with all of that. People are bad, though. Um, (laughs) uh, When it comes to temperament, we're very different, and we experience life different. Robin's outgoing. She's an extrovert. Uh, She's in a little bit of pain, but she's normally really more gregarious and and out there. And I am more energized in in quietness. Uh, You know, I'd like to—I'll sit out on the deck. I don't want to really meet with people and— and uh, and Robin's like, let's go party, and I'm and, like,
1: and this is the pastor, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I did doesn't say, want to meet with people. I didn't say it.
0: Well, let me reword that. Okay, thank it you. It doesn't mean I don't love people. It's just that I'm not all excited to be with a lot of people.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, I one person is good.
1: And and we have Sunday dinners, and we pull out an additional two or three tables, so that we can have the people. Yes. I love the people.
0: Yes. And we have different preferences. Uh, you know, I, I feel like being on time means being early. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And, and, you know, for my wife, it's if we get there and it's still happening, it, we did a good job. You know, she's, she's gotten better over oh, the yeah. years for sure, for You'd sure. You have
1: to get better when you have a few kiddos.
0: Yes. Um, I don't know. There's so many different ways. Uh, I love this about my wife. She works hard so she can relax. Yes. But I relax so I can work hard. You know, it's just a different perspective. It's a different way of thinking. But sometimes we fight each other because we're so different. We reflect God in our.
1: We reflect God also in our difficulties. You guys, either your difficulties will drive you apart. bind you closer together Mm -hmm. and I don't know about you but we've had a few difficulties Mm -hmm. and I'm sure that if you we took the microphone out you could name some and they would be totally different than the ones that we've had difficulties are going to be present in every marriage Mm -hmm. will you say that with me difficulties Difficulties are going to be present in every every, marriage and if you didn't say it then you're fooling yourself because it's going to be present in your marriage too Difficulty is real. We have an enemy, Hmm. and he wants to make sure that you don't bring glory to God in your marriage. So he comes at you with difficulties. How does this happen? Commitment through the hard times. Hmm. How do you find the time when you're going through difficulties? How do you do this? You commit even through the hard times. Hmm. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I know some of Ray's dearest friends, and I have their phone number. So when Ray and I were going you going, going through, with this. Uh, you just wait. I'm getting there. <laughs> so when Ray and I were going through some trouble now I am a saver. I think we should save money so that we have it when we need it. Right. And Ray is a spender. He thinks we should spend money so nobody will take it. <laughs> Everybody needs a new pair of shoes. <laughs> I mean, father yeah. help us because he doesn't just buy one, okay? But anyway <laughs> But anyway, one time Ray was getting on my last nerve and you know, the Lord gives us others, but this one was my last one for that day. And I was kind of upset with him and I couldn't get through to him. Now, how many ladies in this room have had a time, and maybe you may not wanna raise your hand because it may start some trouble, but have had a time where you just couldn't get through to that man you're sitting next to. He wasn't hearing you. Look, hand, hands everywhere, (laughs) hands, hands. He wasn't hearing you. Well, that's what happened with me and Ray, and he was not hearing me. Okay. So what I did was, (laughs) I went and I called his friend, his dearest friend who loves the Lord. And I said, Larry, Ray and I are having some pretty deep stuff over here. It is not going to be well with him. And so Larry said, <laughs> so Larry said, where's Ray? So I walk into Ray's study. Yes, and I said,
0: I remember that. Larry
1: wants to talk to you.
0: And I was like, I didn't call Larry. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even hear the phone ring. And she said, well, here he is. And here I get on. And I said, hey, Larry. He said, Ray, how's it going? I said, fine. He said, well, your wife called me, mm. and uh, when can you come over? Mm. And I was like, oh, uh, what time? And uh, we had an appointment that evening. That with evening them. we
1: went over and had dinner and just sat down and chatted. Mm. And it was so necessary because the way Larry laid it out, it wasn't as big of a deal as I made it to be. But it wasn't something that needed to be ignored either. And so sometimes you just need to know who your husband's friends are. Um, wow, other, other, that was
0: not in our notes. I know, but, but I okay.
1: just sketch a little. <laughs> um, some other things that, I don't know about you guys, but yes, we've had a lot of babies. Hmm. I've had eight babies by C-section. You can give me a clap if you want to, because that's, that's some hard work, okay? <laughs> he gets to hold them, I go bear the pain, all right? Uh, we'll talk about that later, ladies, okay? <laughs> But anyway, um, we've also had seven miscarriages. We've walked through a whole lot of things, guys. And the enemy brings these difficulties in your life to destroy your relationship. And he wants you not to think God is a good God. But guess what the enemy forgot? I get to meet every single one of those kids when I get there, all right? Every single one of them. And I don't even know how many of them may have been tens or triplets, you know? (laughs) I get to meet him when I get there. So we have to look at difficulties in light of who God is. Mm. And he's an amazing, awesome God that can do anything. We reflect God in our difficulties through heartaches, through the loss of family. Mm. We reflect God through selfishness, sinfulness, and even flaws. Now, maybe your husband has no flaws. The men are laughing harder than the ladies. Y'all need to be laughing, ladies, because we know that we all have flaws. Mm. You have some, too. But we reflect, God, in the way that we work this out when we have flaws. Um, When a husband or a wife is abusive, guys, abuse is part of this. Reflect God by getting their abusive spouse some help. And I'll hear a big, fat amen to that. It's important. Abuse is not how you reflect God.
0: Okay. You know, I mean, as as Robin is talking, I I know that we're up here just sharing with you, but you might be thinking, because I'm kind of thinking this as Robin is talking, how are we reflecting God through these difficulties? And I would say this. One of the ways that you reflect God through the miscarriages, through uh, the financial issues, through uh, we had a brother that committed suicide. How do you reflect God as a couple? It's by our commitment to one another. It's through loving each other unconditionally. It's through the ability to overlook even faults that are that each other has. I, I, I wasn't planning on saying this today, but we had an incredible breakfast this morning and we sat with some great people at our table. And I have to be honest, I, being the introvert, I was like, I'd rather just grab my food and go sit outside with the ducks. <laughs> but God had prepared some couples at the table And then my wife, being the more open of us two, I'm more private, she's more open, she began to share about one of our situations with one of our sons. And one of our sons came out as gay a few years ago. Not only that, but he had pulled away from the family, denied the faith, and said he doesn't even believe there is a God. Not only did that happen, but a couple of weeks ago, or... Just a week ago or so, he married another man. And my wife is sharing this at the table, and I'm like, she didn't see me do this.
1: I saw it, I felt it, everything.
0: We need a lesson on submission. But anyway, uh, no, I'm just kidding. Don't you guys, okay. I see you wadding up paper. No. No. But I I, I was sitting there and I was thinking, I don't want to talk about this. It's very fresh and it's hurtful. And as my wife is just through her, through faith, talking about what's going on. And then another couple began to minister to me sitting on the side and I began to cry. And then I thought about something. This is, this is the incredible thing. This is a difficulty that we're walking through as a couple. But you know how we reflect God in that? The Lord spoke to my heart and he's like, Ray, that's why you need her. Because you're reflecting a part of me as well. The hurt, the grieving. Not that you're not hurt or grieving, because I know you are. But there's a part of me that is really reflecting the Father's heart. But there's a part of my wife who is reflecting the faith that God is saying, this story is not written. Amen. It's not over. And so as a couple, when you bring those two together, two different perspectives, you can see that God is telling his story even through your difficulties. Because I can tell you, I would not be telling you that story this morning if God had not been working as I'm watching her exemplify the father as well.
1: And the final thing that I wanna say is when you have difficulties in your marriage, one of the best things that you can do for each other is show more grace. Hmm. I think we forget how good God is and how he showed so much grace to us and we get to share that with our spouse. So if you think he's totally wrong which sometimes I do, I need to show more grace. Hmm. And the Father gets so much glory out of it.
0: Okay, we need to keep moving. (laughs) So number one, your marriage is telling a story, it's a picture. Number two, your marriage Hmm. is telling a story, it's a partnership. And really, it's the word companionship, I just wanted to use the letter P, because I'm a pastor. So (laughs) it's, it's a partnership, it's companionship. Genesis chapter two, Verse 18, then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was, that was its what? Its name. It's name. You guys got it. The man gave names to all the livestock, to the birds of the heavens, to every beast of the field, but for Adam there was not found a helper fit for him. So God is saying it's not a beautiful thing, it's not a good thing that the man should be alone. So God gives him an assignment. He begins to name all these animals. As he's naming all these animals, it's becoming clear to him that these are great and good animals, but they're not necessarily fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh of it. And the rib that the Lord God had taken out of the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Well, Adam was alone. But God created.
1: God created a helper suitable or fit just for Adam. And, and this is the thing. I think a lot of times in, because of our culture, we think helper is a bad word. Mm-hmm. But God calls himself helper. If, if you look in Psalms 54.4, it says God is the helper and he is the upholder of my life. And I love that God that it says that because sometimes I know I'm the upholder of Ray's life. <laughs> He, he needs you. He desperately needs you. She needs you. She desperately needs you. Be the helper, ladies, that God created you to be for your specific unique husband. Not anybody else just yours.
0: And you know, Robin used this word uh, that uh, we need each other. I saw a video uh, from a comedian, Sinbad, and I just... I think you need to see this. I think he talks about oneness better than most pastors. So look at the screen and let's just listen to what he has to say. Marriage is about growing old together. Marriage is
1: about falling apart at the same time. That's what makes it special. You live on the two, you become one good
0: person, you become one. One can see, one can hear. (laughs)
1: you come on the scene? a good here. you They're so cute together. No, they fall down.
0: They Yes. <laughs> I love the way he said that we need each other.
1: Um, true transformation does not take place in isolation, guys. True transformation takes place in oneness, in being a team, because we desperately need each other. <clears throat> Psalms, I'm sorry, Proverbs 27, 17 says, iron sharpens iron. Hmm. So one man sharpens another. And iron does sharpen iron, but do you know what it, they, they sometimes have this honing tool that kind of you you straighten out your knife. You straighten it out. Because the straighter the knife, the better the, um, the blade stays. And then you sharpen that knife. And as you're sharpening that knife, it cuts away some of the steel of the knife to make that knife sharper. The same way you're that person for your spouse. You are sharpening that person to be all they can be for God's glory.
0: So it's a partnership, we need each other. Your marriage is telling a story, it's a picture, it's a partnership, number three, I'm gonna get through this, we got two more points. Number three, your marriage is telling a story, it's a priority.
1: It's a priority. Guys, sometimes we get, and I'm not, when I say guys, I mean all of us, okay? Not guys, because I'm not picking on you guys, but sometimes you guys need to be picked on a little bit. But that's not what I'm doing right now. But anyway, guys and gals, Marriage is a priority, and I love the fact that each one of you are up here this weekend. You're prioritizing your marriage. And sometimes that's the thing that we forget in the day-to-day life. We forget that our, our spouse is our number one priority. Now, I'm going to have you say, you're, number, you're my number one priority. I want you to look at your spouse and say, you're my number one priority. I didn't say kiss. <laughs> we better get us one here, I shit. know ain't even, yeah. I <laughs> okay <laughs> anyway okay Genesis two twenty three to 25 says then the man said this is at last bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother ladies <clears throat> and hold fast to his wife And they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. So we need to learn how to believe that God brought you two together. Your spouse is God's perfect provision for you. Do you believe it? Do you believe your spouse is God's perfect provision for you? Now, I don't mean that every day is great. And I don't mean that everything is right. But is your spouse God's perfect provision for you. Yes. And every one of us in this room should say yes, yes. and amen. Amen. amen.
0: You know, I, one of the most transformative truths that I've learned over the years is not only to believe that God and know that God gave us to each other, but the second one is to receive. And again, this is not new news to you guys. We're reminding you of what you already know is to receive the spouse that God has given you. And this is so easy to try to make our spouse in our own image. We spend a lot of time. Some of you, you're spending so much energy trying to change your spouse. And what God wants you to do, one of the greatest gifts, is to be able to receive your spouse. We should be like Adam. Like, okay, Robin read over this, but I can tell you in the Hebrew, it's so much more poetical. After God brought this woman to the man, it says, Then the man said, This At last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. This is a poem. This was a song. Adam didn't just say, oh, here she is. He was like, wow, this at last. I don't think he just said it. He said, at last my love has come along. Did you? My lonely days are over. Yeah, he did. Did
1: did y'all hear the ground?
0: (laughs) But I mean, Adam was saying that out. He was like, here it is at last. Amen. And that's the joy that we need to receive our spouses with. It's not like receiving your spouse like you get a speeding ticket. (laughs) And there was a time where I got three speeding tickets in a row one week, second week, third week. And then I got a letter from the government um, from our city officials. Like, if you do this, we're going to take your license. So every time I got a ticket, I just accepted it. And many of us, that's the way we are with our spouses. I'll accept you. I got you. I'm stuck with you. I'll accept you. But receiving, it's like, I, I tell it this way, it's, we have one of our children who's adopted. And I don't know, uh, Robin called me one day at a conference. And I, we weren't together. And she called me and she said, hey, how open are you to adopting? Now, we had eight kids. And I was like, I hadn't thought about it. But she had said, how open are you? And I was like, this is a trick question. <laughs> so I said to her, I'm as open as I've ever been. And she she hung up the phone. She said, great. And uh, so I find out that, and she tells me this before she hangs up. She says, hey, there's a, a lady who's about to give birth. She's looking for a specific family, and I put our name in. And I said, well, let's pray about it. And she said, okay, and uh, I'm praying about it. I get home on that Sunday night and she says, hey, here are all the paperwork and stuff you need to fill out. I said, but I'm still praying about it. <laughs> and she said, okay. And then the next day we were being fingerprinted and, and I said, but I'm still praying about it. And then she said, hey, by the way, I turned all the information in and the, the birth mom wants to meet us. And uh, on, on a Thursday we meet the birth mom I'm still praying about it. And she and Robin are talking, and she says, I want you guys to be the family. That Thursday night or afternoon, we take off for a family life conference. We come back on Monday or Sunday. I kid you not, Monday morning, our baby boy was born. I'm still praying about it. (laughs) So in a week's time, we had a new, brand new baby. We get to the hospital. We call, of our ki- call our kids, and they all show up, and Robin looks at the birth mom. She says, have you held him yet? She said, no, he's your son. So Robin picks him up, and she hands him to me, and I received him, and I began to cry. I didn't cry at any of the other births, <laughs> but just this little guy and I held him, I received him. And now that little guy is six foot.
1: That's right.
0: He's 14 years old.
1: Size 13 shoe.
0: He does not have my jeans, obviously. <laughs> uh, he's at basketball tournaments this weekend. And I would receive him over and over and over again.
1: Amen.
0: You see, one of the great lessons that God wants to teach us with our spouses is to receive that woman. Your job is not to change her. That's not your job. Yes, does she need to change in areas? Absolutely. Your job is not to change him. I know when you got married, you're like, oh, he'll change, and he didn't. (laughs) And what we realize, it's a beautiful thing it's such a restful thing when I can, uh, this morning when my wife was sharing about our son, I took a deep breath and then I was like, Lord, thank you for Robin. Because had it been me married to me, no one at that table would have known anything. <laughs> I would have smiled, got my to-go container, and talked to the ducks. <laughs> But there's such a great release
1: mm-hmm.
0: when we can receive. I, I think, uh, let's just talk about this one lastly. Okay. Another priority is, is leaving.
1: Oh, okay, hold on guys, just a second. What are we talking about last?
0: Well, I'm looking at the time. Oh, okay, so, I'm just, so
1: we're going to leave.
0: Yeah, let's okay. go to leave.
1: So therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall be one flesh. Um, So, in other words, God is teaching us the priority of marriage. And the Mm -hmm. priority of marriage means you start with making sure that your marriage is a priority over some things. Can I get amen? Amen. Okay, so your marriage should be a priority over your parents. Because God tells us leave your parents and, and have priority or hold fast to this wife. He didn't just say leave daddy, he said also leave mommy and hold fast to this wife.
0: We were at a family life conference and uh, there was a couple we had just taught this and a couple came down and the wife had her arms folded like this. I'm going to stand. I can't see this couple where I keep coming up and wanting to see these beautiful faces. They were like this. She walked up and I, that's always a bad signal. And so she said, tell him, tell him. And so the husband, he says, well, my wife asked me a question when you guys were teaching this and she said, if we were at the, if we were at the ocean and your mom, she was saying, if your mom and I were swimming in the ocean and we both begin to drown at the same time and you could only save one of us, who would you save? And I'm like, dude, I, that's an easy answer. And he said, she said, tell him, he said, I, I would save my, my, uh, mother. And he looked at me he said yes I would save my mother because she's loved me unconditionally she birthed me she's always been there and I was like yes. <laughs> And you know what we realized his mother took priority mm. over his spouse You see part of leaving is leaving your loyalties mm the loyalties of your family. And as us having eight adult children, it's hard when they get married and they're off on their own, it's hard to not interject into their families. I want to tell my son-in-laws, don't do that. What are you thinking? Uh, give me my daughter back. No, I'm just <laughs> <kidding>. <laughs> But they become their priority.
1: And another way is you prioritize over your past. Hmm. And I'm gonna even put in here, if you're in a blended family yes. and your children, you have children from that past relationship, your new spouse takes priority over your children.
0: And I know that sounds really, that's, there's nuances to that and we don't have a lot of time to explain that, but what she's saying is true.
1: Yeah, so in other words, your marriage is the top priority in every area. And over your personal desires, I want to go back to school, I want to do this, it doesn't fit in the family, then your personal desires may have to wait because your marriage is your top priority. Yeah, and,
0: and, and Robin's already alluded to this, your marriage is, takes priority over your children. We have so many child-centered homes where the parents are so afraid of, and i 'm talking and most of you raised kids, but let me talk to some of you parents who are raising kids. quit being so afraid
1: hmm.
0: you 're going to mess them up. <laughs> just save money for the therapist i 'm just <laughs> telling you it 's going to happen you 're not going to raise perfect <laughs> children we there 's a book well i don 't even have time to say that, but i I can tell you i 've seen experience it you 've got to know. One of the greatest securities that you can give your children is to love each other.
1: That's right.
0: Let them know. And Robin used to say this all the time. She would say, that's my boyfriend over Mm -hmm. there. Or if we're walking together and our kids try to separate us, we put them on the outside. Yeah, I'll hold your hand over here, but I'm holding her hand. Mm -hmm. Because one day you're going to leave. That's right. Hopefully, and not come back. (laughs) But that's not been our experience. Stop, Rick. It, it hasn't been. <laughs> I, I, I do digress and I want to complain. But, um,
1: and he's not on prednisone, okay?
0: <laughs> so it's the giving priority. You know, the scripture goes on to talk about cleaving and weaving, uh, the idea of really bonding together. So our marriage is a picture our marriage is a partnership. Your marriage is a priority. I know it's lunchtime, but can I squeeze this in? Yes. One last one. Your marriage is for procreation. For procreation. Yes.
1: He got pretty excited about that. So, Rob,
0: let's just talk about these last three things. Because okay. I think we can do this in, in five minutes or so. Because we want to talk about this. Your marriage is not just about you.
1: It's so not just your God designed your marriage for something bigger than just the two of you. Yes. Can you say that with me? God designed your marriage for something bigger than just the two of you. Yes. He did, he did it on purpose because we get to model this thing to a lot of different people. We get to model it in our neighborhoods. We get to model, it, model this to our families. We get to love our children and give them a whole nother display of what the world says marriage is. Yes. And so we need to impact the next generation By investing, yes, in your children.
0: And so just briefly, maybe we can talk about this more tonight, but you want to invest in the next generation by investing in your children. You do that by treasuring God with all your heart. Mm. And when you treasure God with all your heart, you're going to bleed God So Deuteronomy 6, you teach your children. You talk about him when you sit, when you walk, when you lie down, when you rise up. You train them. You bind them on your hands. You write them on the post of your home. And that way you're transferring your faith to the next generation.
1: And then you also impact the next generation by investing in other children. Not just your own, but others. You invest in maybe foster care or maybe adoption or maybe teach Sunday school. It was really sweet looking at one of my girlfriends uh, honor her Sunday school teachers on her 60th birthday. That was a long time ago. But what they they taught her, Hmm. she was ready to even say, I believe and still retain that because you taught it to me. And that's what we want our kids to do. We also have those that invest in coaching. How many of y'all can play a little ball? Coach other kids and then invite them to your house for popcorn and a movie so they can see you interact with your family.
0: And this is so important because there are some couples who have struggled with infertility. And I know there may be some couples in this room and you know, we start talking about children. You're like, God never blessed us in that way. But I can tell you, you can still invest in the next generation. We are all to be fruitful and multiply. That's
1: right, all.
0: Everyone, it's a command for all of us, whether you do it through biological children, adopting, fostering, teaching Sunday school, I came to know Christ because of a a high school crazy Jesus lady. (laughs) And she still loves Jesus, and she's in her 70s now, but she still is there. So number three, impact the next generation by investing in other marriages. That's so important for you to do that. Well, okay, this is so much bigger than just about you and your family. God wants you, in your marriage, to be a picture of him, of Christ and the church. And so I uh, wanna pray for us. I know there's something else that will happen, and then we're gonna bless the food and go eat. Thank you for letting us go over a little bit. But we're so thankful. Father, I'm so thankful for these couples who are here. I know you have spoken to them. You are doing a work in their hearts and in their lives. It is a privilege to join forces with them so that we can impact the world in which we live. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.